0: The best and brightest physicians choose to work at Boston Medical
1: Center, and now it's time to hear what they're saying. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. From policymakers to clinicians to patients and families in crisis, people across the country are turning to Boston Medical Center because of its expertise and leadership in caring for patients with addiction. BMC has established the Graykin Center for Addiction Medicine to help turn the tide on this national crisis. My guests today are Dr. Alexander Wally. He's the Director of Addiction Medicine Fellowship Program at Boston Medical Center, and Dr. Jessica Gray. She's a fellow in addiction medicine at Boston Medical Center. Welcome to the show, doctors. So, Dr. Wally, I'd like to start with you. What's going on with the addiction crisis in this country that we're facing right now?
0: Addiction is not a new issue in in the United States, uh, but it is certainly one that's uh, garnered a lot more attention uh, recently, I think, really because of the recognition of increases in opioid overdose deaths. Um, Opioid overdose is uh, the leading cause of overdose, and overdoses are now the leading um, cause of accidental preventable injury deaths um, in the United States, exceeding now motor vehicle accidents, firearm deaths, and, and falls. Um, and so I think that's really what is um, putting people's attention uh, on this I- issue of addiction. Of course, um, opioids aren't the only substances that, uh, that people have addictions to. Um, alcohol is um, probably responsible for more, more deaths and more public health harms than even opioids. Um, and that's, of course, been with us for quite a long time. Um, we all know about the harms of tobacco smoking and, and cigarettes um, and you know now we're faced with um, uh, changes in in uh, in the legal parameters around which uh, uh, around marijuana, um, uh, and so I think that um, you know this is an issue that is definitely new in, in the forefront, and it is here to stay that we're going that we're all gonna be facing for, for quite some time now.
1: And Dr. Wally, I'm sticking with you for a second. What are doctors saying about this addiction crisis as some of the lead-ins or causes? I mean, we see back pain and people going on pain medication for that, or neck pain, or various fibromyalgias and things. And are these starting to turn that tide? Are these what are starting to cause these addictions? What are doctors saying?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that, Melanie. So uh, in the in the 1990s, um, there was a recognition of uh, of our responsibility in healthcare of treating pain more aggressively. And at the same time that that happened, um, there was uh, a lot of um, investment by the pharmaceutical companies in developing new opioid pain medications and as much as they um, invested in researching these medications, or actually quite a lot more than they invested in researching, they, they uh, invested in marketing them to physicians and to patients. And so the result was this dramatic increase in opioid prescribing for chronic pain, um, and actually without a lot of, of really good research. And I think we, it's widely recognized that that um, that dramatic expansion in prescribing of prescription opioids for, for um, pain um, has resulted in greater exposure to opioids and, for many people, a transition to addiction. Um, and so that expansion um, continued through the 2000 to 2010. I think, in the late um late part of that decade, there was a recognition that that opioid prescribing was playing a role um in the increases in opioid overdose deaths and opioid addiction and you know since two thousand ten we've seen some reductions in in opioid prescribing um uh, and uh unfortunately, we have a new a new um emergence of uh heroin use and and specifically fentanyl, another synthetic opioid that has been introduced into the heroin supply, that is actually 40 times more potent um, than heroin. And so the combination now of heroin and fentanyl appears to be driving um, even more dramatic increases in opioid overdose deaths. Um, and that's what we're that's what we're really seeing now. So in Massachusetts, for example, um, whereas in, in 2012 um, we had about uh, 690 opioid overdose deaths. Um, In 2016, we had almost almost 2,000. So we've had this tripling of overdose deaths in a, a short period of time, which um, certainly, prescription opioids and, and increased prescribing um, laid the groundwork for that, but, but what we're really seeing now that's killing people is, is heroin and heroin tainted with fentanyl.
1: So how do you walk that fine line, Dr. Wally? Physicians need to ensure that their patient's pain is properly assessed and managed, but that obligation to provide pain relief needs to be balanced with the crisis that we're seeing. So how do you do that as a physician?
0: What we teach our trainees here, um, and what we try to explain uh, uh, to our patients, um, is that you, you need, we need to take a, a risk-benefit approach. So um, we have a better understanding now of the risks of prescribing opioids, and um, those need to be balanced with um, the benefit that we can demonstrate when we when when we um, prescribe these medications. Um, and so, and then, and then, when you know, it's it because it's a risk benefit you don't actually we don't actually know in any individual case uh you know what's what's going to happen until it happens and so you know the patient who gets Pain relief from an opioid and is able to function and and um, you know get back to uh, doing what they need to do every day. Um, you know that's that's obviously an instance where um, the pain medication was the right thing to do. Um, you're gonna, we there are going to be episodes which you ch- want to try to limit where people do develop addictions uh, to opioids, and when that happens, we want we need to be prepared to treat people for the. For the addiction that develops. And um, we're lucky with opioids that we have good um, treatments that are available. Um, I, I, obviously, the, the best thing to do is to prevent it in the first place, but when it happens, we need to be ready and um, uh, have uh, treatment available for people. So that's what we try to do.
1: So, Dr. Gray, how do you provide care, both outpatient and inpatient? And speak a little bit about the model of providing care where people are, and tell us about the program at Boston Medical Center.
2: Sure. Thanks, Melanie. So I'm a family medicine doctor by training and actually was was working in a clinic in Dorchester before I started this fellowship. And really, I was just having so many conversations with, with patients, with their families about how addiction really has touched all aspects of their lives. And, you know, you were finding it kind of as a basis of so many of people's problems when they presented to their primary care doctor. Not just opioids, again, like Dr. Wally said, but alcohol, uh, tobacco, marijuana. Really, you know, everything was was disrupting people's lives. And um, so I really wanted more training in actually how to manage, manage these issues that were affecting my patients. So I came, you know, to the BMC Fellowship. And really, it's taking um, a very broad uh, view on how to get people help and how to treat people. I guess my, my role as fellow is really kind of exploring all of the, all the many ways that we can get in and educate providers and educate patients and their families on, on managing the disease, which is really chronic and long-term. So we spend a, I spend a lot of my time on, on our inpatient consult service, the addiction consult service, where we're helping primary teams manage um, addiction, manage the sequelae of addiction, um, and and figuring out how to get people into treatment who otherwise you know were having trouble doing that. Um, I also we work with the emergency department at a in our program called Faster Path, which um, is a what we call low barrier access to treatment for opiate and alcohol. Um, and in partnering with them, we've really been able to you know help people where they are um, get access to treatment, which I think is, has been a really wonderful step forward. Um, I'm also working with our family medicine department and our internal medicine department in the OBAT clinic, um, helping people get stabilized on medicines for for their use disorders, um, as well as kind of all over the the all over the city. Um, you know, so it's really addiction touches every part of people's lives, and so being able to provide services in in every aspect is is important. It's what the training is giving me, which is
1: great. So Dr. Wally, how do you know that you're being successful as far as outcomes and cost and hospitalizations? What are you seeing?
2: Well,
0: it. I think a common experience for a lot of uh, physician trainees and nurse trainees and, and even social worker trainees is that they have the experience of, in their typical educational um, exposure, seeing people who aren't doing well in the midst of their addiction, and that's sort of why they're coming in to the hospital or why they're coming to the emergency department. Um, those of us who get to take care of patients from that period and then on, um, so those the, the experiences that Dr. Gray is getting and um, seeing, um, you know, patients over time, what we see in that those cases is that the treatment works and patients get better. And, um, so that's really, I think what, what's, re- what's rewarding to do this personally, you know, as, you know, as, as a job and, um, as an educator. Um, and then it translates to real, uh, experiences where people's lives get better. Um, and, um, and so, um, that's, uh, that's, a important, um, that's an important part of, of, of what we do. And, and I think, so we're seeing results. And um, you were asking, I think about how do we know that it's working? Um, there's a lot of different ways we can measure it. I mean, my favorite way to measure it obviously is with the patients that I care for, and just having them tell me about how their lives are getting better and their families are coming back together and they're going back to work, et cetera. Um, but we're also involved in thinking about, yeah, you know, uh, larger policy issues. So, you know, um, how, how is it affecting the hospital and whether patients are being readmitted for preventable illnesses like infections from injecting drugs so um, you know we we're seeing that patients that are touched by the addiction consult service that are initiated on treatment are less likely to be readmitted for uh, the same infection and are more likely to get into treatment and put their lives back together. Um so you know I think we're we we do have a um a window and and a focus on both the individual level uh, benefits and outcomes of treatment as well as the system level um impact that we're trying to
1: have. So Dr. Gray wrap it up for us in your words on what you want people to know about the addiction center at Boston Medical Center.
2: That's a great question. I think that, you know, there's there's a lot of exciting potential um, for this for the addiction center at, at Boston Medical, and really going to bolster the strong work that's already going on uh, in the community and um, you know inpatient, outpatient, everywhere that we're touching. And and so I'm looking forward to really making addiction less stigmatized and and really having having providers and families and patients who are struggling with addiction um, get access to to top-of-the-line treatment and and really, you know, get into recovery. Um, Dr. Wally, do you have anything else
1: to... Yeah, so Dr. Wally, I I would like you to finish up for us with with your best advice about addiction itself. And if somebody has a loved one that they feel is suffering from addiction, please tell them what you want them to know about seeking help for themselves and for their loved ones.
0: What I want people to know is that people get better as long as that we can keep people alive. So the biggest tragedy for me is when somebody overdoses and dies, because that's a lost opportunity for all of us to be able to help that person get better with their addiction. And you can't take that death back. So it's important for us to focus on delivering the best treatment possible. There are good treatments that work, but we need to make those treatments more accessible to people. And then for people who either don't have access to treatment or or aren't willing uh, or ready for treatment, we can't forget about them. We need to figure out how to keep them safe in the meantime. We need to educate them about overdose prevention. We need to support efforts around safer injecting practices. And we need to, as Dr. Gray was saying, do everything we can to fight stigma around addiction. You know, for a long time, not just the behaviors of substance use um, have been stigmatized and criminalized, but the people themselves have been uh, criminalized. And, you know, that's how we've dealt uh, traditionally with people who use substances. I think we owe it to them and to ourselves to, to take a, a more compassionate approach. I think we need a similar effort to address stigma and, and invest in, in the treatment and, and prevention uh, for addiction.
1: Thank you so much, both of you, for being with us today. You're listening to Boston Med Talks, and for more information on the Greken Center for Addiction Medicine, you can go to bmc.org slash addiction medicine. That's bmc.org slash addiction medicine. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.